Good morning. It is. I like to make sure that everyone is hopefully awake at at least the beginning of the sermon. What happens after that? We'll just see what happens after that. I am greatly appreciative that I can be with you this morning. A friend of mine years ago was known to say that appreciation unexpressed may be gratitude unknown. And so before I, I say anything more or anything else, thank you. Thank you for being here today. I appreciate the invitation for my family, for me to be with you this morning, today, Lord willing, this evening, and then evenings throughout the rest of this time this week through, through Wednesday, I hope. Is, that's what I have planned, is to be here through Wednesday evening at the very least, if our Lord wills it. I appreciate each of you this morning. Thankful to your elders, your shepherds, and their leadership. Heard a lot of good things, seen a lot of good things about this group of people, this group of God's holy ones here in, in Paducah, and I'm thankful to, to be with you this week. I probably, I could, this is one of those times when I could say I don't have to tell you this. Maybe I, I do need to say this, that you have a great preacher. Amen? I don't know, that was a little soft, Adam. Where did he go? There he is. Okay. I, I, I've been thankful to know Adam for several years now, and I don't really, I've just met Noah in person, but I've heard good things about him, so we'll, 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 we won't ask for an amen anymore on, on any of those things. I don't want to get myself in too much trouble, but I know you know, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Sometimes the, the local guy gets a little overlooked, and he's just, he's our preacher. What's great about him? Well, he, he's a great, great man of God, and I think you, I think you do know, I think you know that. Our question for this morning is a why question. We noted in the Bible class hour earlier this morning that that is sometimes a, a difficult or a, a tricky way of questioning things. Why? We did ask, can we trust the Bible in our class period this morning? And we didn't say it then, but I think it's appropriate to realize that is that question was first for a reason. And that hopefully, my intention at least, that everything that we say and look at together is will be is based out of what we call the Bible, biblical text, the scriptures. And so we ask this morning, now our second major question that we all must ask, why does Jesus matter? Why does Jesus matter? This morning and this evening, the question this evening, during that the 5 o'clock hour, is what is the gospel? So you might already be thinking, there's going to be some overlap, and some of what we say this morning that you might have expected, we'll, we're actually going to say tonight, and then build from there, how do I become a Christian? How do I join this work of Jesus? What does that mean about my life after that? Who is the church? Where is my life going? It'll be where That's where we're going as we proceed through this series together in God's holy word. I asked you at the beginning of class if you believed in the Bible. Now the follow-up question. Another way of asking, does Jesus matter, 
Do you believe this morning in Jesus? I'd, I'd like you just to think about that question. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands or necessarily a shake or nod on that one. Do I believe in Jesus? And just like the prior question about the Bible itself, that the answer, even if I say yes, the answer and how I say yes, that can mean a, many different things. What does that include to believe in Jesus? Does it simply mean I believe He is a historical character? Does it mean that I believe other things about Him? Does it mean, if I say I believe in Jesus, that I'm willing to put my faith or my trust, my confidence in Jesus? Not just as someone that I know about, but as someone that I've come to know and trust and walk with. I believe in Jesus. Let's look at the Scriptures beginning this morning in Mark chapter 8. Eighth chapter of Mark, Mark chapter 8. We'll pick up at verse 7. Let's read together a couple of verses here from the Gospel according to Mark, the 8th chapter. Why does Jesus matter? This section is Mark's version, Mark's account of Jesus interrogating, in a way, his disciples, asking, Who do people say that I am? We could say that Jesus is asking His form of our question. Why, why do I matter? What are they saying about me? You'll find this in Matthew chapter 16. You'll find it in Luke chapter 9. We, some have said you can find a very unique version of this in John chapter 11. But it's not the apostles, it's two sisters. Mary and Martha. Something to think about there in John chapter 11. We're going to read Mark chapter 8, verse 27. It says, Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, saying, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. Here's what they're saying about you. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. That, that's the, this is Mark's brief version. Some of us might be more acquainted with Matthew's version where he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Or Luke in Luke 9 records Peter adding the additional statement of God, you are the Christ of God. This is the, the statement, the declaration, the, the confession. Why does Jesus matter this morning? If we say nothing else, Jesus matters. Jesus should be important and worthy, not just of our passing attention, but of our utmost consideration. Because Jesus is the Christ. Or another word we might put in there, He is the Messiah. He is the anointed of God. The anointed King, the anointed prophet, 
the anointed high priest for God's people. That's why Jesus matters. And so it isn't just, do you believe in Jesus? Let's take this text. Do you believe this morning that Jesus is what Peter believes in Mark 8? He's the Christ. He's the one. He's the only one. Why Jesus matters. I'll step back a moment and consider another major arena of thought this morning is His signs. His signs. You don't have to drive very far down any road, for sure, an interstate, but even otherwise, before you see what on the side of the road? Signs. We call them, we say road signs and other phrases like that. Sometimes we might like to ignore certain road signs. Sometimes we miss road signs and then it might be that our our co-driver slash real driver over here on the other side says, some, you know, there's that whole thing of what do you say? Do you ask the question like, what are you doing? Or where are you going? We're going to ask that later, right? Or maybe just wait and see how long it takes the driver, the person at least holding the wheel, to figure out, wait. I remember one time we were driving to Shreveport, Louisiana, and headed headed west on I-20. And before we knew it, before we realized it, we were a few miles into Texas and began to think, these exits and the numbers don't look right. These towns aren't right. These are not Louisiana towns. We're in Texas. Signs are meant to at least provide information, but even with road signs, they're often meant to give direction. And it's not about the sign. It's about what the sign points you to. Here's your, here's your exit. Here's your stop. Here's the speed limit you might want to consider. Do you know that Jesus gave a lot of signs? No, not road signs, but we, we call them miracles. The Bible does call them signs. There are three terms that are sometimes put together. Signs, wonders, and miracles. Part of the reason the word signs, as we have it in English, is used is because it's not about the miracles per se themselves. It is about what they point to. I invite you to consider now the end of John chapter 20. John 20 last two verses of that chapter. It's when John is recording the crucifixion and he says this, that Jesus, or the crucifixion and the resurrection rather, and he says that now Jesus did many other signs, John 20 verse 30, in the presence of His disciples that are not recorded in this book. And then he says, but these, the ones I am recording, these were written so that you may, and there's that word again, believe that Jesus is what? The Christ. That He is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in His name, you may have life. Or that by believing, you may have life in His name. That's how the English Standard has it translated. If you go over, it might be a page over to the very last verse of this book. John 21, 25. He says something very similar. There he says that if he, if someone were to record everything that Jesus did, he says, 
even the, the world could not contain the books that would be written. John is very selective in what he records about Jesus. Some have taken this idea too far, but it is true that John's account of Jesus' ministry, Jesus' life, is unique. It is, it is different than the other three. He records a lot of Jesus' words, and he actually records far fewer of his miracles or signs. But as he says, I've chosen these signs for a very specific reason. I want you to know, to paraphrase, why Jesus matters. Why you need to believe in Jesus. And so, over the years, it has the idea has put, been put forth that John records seven signs. Number seven has some biblical significance. Seven signs. How you count them gets tricky, but you might consider them this way. That in John chapter 2, Jesus' sign is the power over the elements themselves. As He changes something. And we don't know. John doesn't tell us how that works at the, the, at the, the molecular level or the atomic level. But I do know Jesus has the power over the elements in John chapter 2. In John 4, Jesus has power over sickness. Very next chapter in John chapter 5, he has the power over a specific health issue of paralysis. Next chapter gets two in one. His power over objects in John chapter 6. As he takes a, a handful of objects and multiplies them. Same account, same chapter. His power over what we label nature or the creative environment as He calms the raging sea of Galilee. A couple of chapters later, or three chapters later, I suppose it is, in John chapter 9, Jesus' sign is His power over blindness. But as you start looking at these signs, they point to something beyond themselves. John 9 is, is a pretty easy one to see, no pun intended necessarily, but it's not just about the man who's physically blind. It's also about spiritual blindness. I need to hit a button there. And then Jesus shows His power over death. Now, if the first six don't grab your attention, if that doesn't alone say, Jesus matters, if Jesus can do that, if Jesus can speak to a man who's been dead for three days, and all he has to say is his name and come forth in John chapter 11 now, and the man walks out. What will grab my attention if that doesn't? Like another friend of mine says, if, if an empty tomb doesn't grab you by the heart, then, then maybe you haven't spent enough time in, in cemeteries at graveside services. Now reflecting back on what we said earlier about where John 20 is found, 
we might have a, an eighth sign to add to our list. But for now, Jesus signs tell me that I should pay attention that what Jesus says, what He teaches, has been confirmed by His miraculous power. The power of the Creator Himself. His signs. But then, I also noticed this morning, His person. His person. Have you ever met someone and you might... You might say it to them. You might wait and tell your spouse or someone later. Because this can be good or bad, can it? I don't know that I've ever met anyone like him. Or she's, she's very unique. And that can be positive or it can be negative, right? But we say that, and it can be true to an extent, but there's only one person who's ever lived that you can really say that about. There's no one else like Jesus. If you haven't, take the time, spend a little time reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I've got mine upside down. You might not want to read it upside down, but get to know Him. Not just to read, but get to know the man in the pages. See what he's like. You might, I don't know if that's a challenge, it's an encouragement to you have it. Get to know the Jesus of the Bible. That last part matters because sometimes we know Jesus and he's the Jesus of our culture. What we're told he's like. Nobody like Jesus. In fact, that's what the officers say. The Pharisees and elders in John chapter 7, they send the officers to arrest Jesus. They come back empty-handed and they say, when they, when they begin to ask, why, don't, why didn't you bring him back? Where's the man we sent you to grab? And they say, no one ever spoke like that man, this man. There's nobody like Jesus. The ending of what we call the Sermon on the Mount in John, Matthew chapter 11, or Matthew chapter 7, I knew there was a rhyme in there, says that after Jesus finished these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching. They, they were losing their minds at how Jesus taught. Why? Well, then Matthew records, because he talked with one who has authority and not as their scribes. The people of Jesus' day reacted so strongly, not always positively, but they reacted strongly because. There's nobody like Jesus. You go beyond the three roughly years of His earthly ministry or the roughly 33 years of His earthly life from Jerusalem to Rome and then the globe. Nobody has ever had the impact on the world, on history, culture, you name it. Like Jesus. And yet, he never traveled very far. And I'm paraphrasing, there's a, a longer poem in a way that someone has, has put out that he never traveled very far from where he was born. He never 
wrote a book about himself. That there, you, you barely get an occasion recorded where he writes with his finger in the dirt. That's about the best you get that we know of. He never went to the universities and the colleges and all of the academic world. And you just keep going. He never did any of those typical things that we look to as a great philosopher or historian or military civil leader. None of that. Yeah. He changed the world. Like none of those other leaders even compared to. Now there have been great leaders. There, there's Genghis Khan. There's Muhammad. There are, there are those, Alexander the Great, that changed and shaped history and the globe itself. But every one of those, I'm not saying what they did and its impact even compares, but what they accomplished was done through force and fear. But this one did what he does, continues to do what he continues to do. If we had to pick one word, it would be love. We said fear and force, so maybe we should say love and truth for his powers. True power to change everything. So that it's been said, you wouldn't have ever thought this in its time, their time, not as a historian, but it was predicted that one day, People would name their dogs Nero, and they'd name their sons Paul. That's not about Paul, it's not about Nero, it's about Jesus. We alluded to this earlier individual transformation. And I'm not going, I wouldn't stay here as an argument for Jesus, and I, I'm not sure I'd start here, and we didn't. But there is something to be said for this that is somewhat subjective, but it's, it's worthy of thought to consider how Jesus can change an individual life like no one else. And this isn't where we're going to do some kind of stand and tell, but I would imagine in a room like this, there are a handful or more people that could tell us today this is how Jesus has completely changed everything for my life. His person. We've seen His signs, the miracles that Jesus did that point us to who He is. The Christ, the Son of God. We've seen now His person. Who else even compares to Jesus? Now, we're going to say a lot more about his death this evening. No, no one lived like Jesus. No one died like Jesus. But there have, as we said, been many great leaders that have changed the world. There have been miracle workers other than Jesus. But no one else has ever, stay with me, predicted 
their own resurrection from the dead and fulfilled the prediction. Because Jesus' tomb is empty. Still remains empty. Why, why does Jesus matter? Because Jesus' tomb is empty. What do you do with an empty tomb and a Savior who walks out alive again? We were in John 20 and 21. It is those two chapters that document some of the appearances of Jesus to His disciples. And it is then that John says He did many other signs in the presence of His disciples that aren't recorded in this book. The message that began to explode in the first century world was and still is the message that He is alive to never die again. The historian Luke in Acts chapter 1, 1-4 through says He showed Himself alive for 40 days, giving many infallible proofs, showing Himself, look, touch Me. He interacted with them. He ate with them. He even cooked breakfast back in John 20 and 21. It's the Apostle Paul whose own personal transformation I am convinced is unexplainable if he did not in reality interact with the resurrected Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. It is he who writes in 1 Corinthians 15 how Jesus appeared to the apostles even to over 500 at one occasion. Some of those, some of the 500 would have, been would have had to have still been alive when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 15. And then he says, least of all, last of all, he appeared to me. Resurrection of Jesus wasn't some spiritual vision that they saw. And the resurrection of Jesus isn't simply something that matters because it's intellectually stimulating and it, it's exciting. Oh, this religious leader, he came back from the dead. It's more than that. It is a big part of why Jesus alone can save you. Let's read one more passage together. Acts chapter 4. We'll begin about verse 8. The two of these apostles that are preaching Jesus and the resurrection. That, that were, at this point, that's their two sermon points. Jesus is who He is and then specifically he's re His resurrection. So the, the religious authorities of the day in Acts 4, bring them in. What are you doing? And here's the answer. They had, they had healed a lame man by Jesus' power, signs. And here's the Apostle's answer. Acts 4, verse 8. 
Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom, he says, you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. Signs, person, empty tomb. Then he goes on in verse 11 and 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. See, not everybody noticed Jesus positively. Some today say Jesus doesn't matter. Some said it then. But the Apostle of Jesus says He has become the cornerstone and there is, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among, among men by which we must be saved. Why is it that not only Jesus matters, but Jesus, if with nothing else, Jesus should matter to me this morning because Jesus only can save me. Why? Because Jesus isn't just the King or the Christ. Jesus is the only King who came from glory, entered into this existence, lived this life, was crucified for us, and then resurrected to provide for us the hope, the opportunity of going with Him one day to glory. His tomb. Why does Jesus matter now becomes Jesus matters more than anything or anyone else. Period. Because Jesus isn't just Jesus of Nazareth. If we go to the very beginning of John's account of Jesus' ministry, he begins in the beginning. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, or with Him. All things were made through Him. John 1.3 If we look at John 1.14, the Word, who is divine, became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld, John says, His glory. Jesus matters because Jesus is the Christ of God who Himself is also divine or God in flesh. And so this morning, it isn't the preacher. I'll stand up here, and I think some of your elders are going to stand up here. But we're, we're just the workers of Jesus. It is Jesus who matters more than anything. 
who calls you to himself. Whether that means beginning this life with him, a turning away from sin and idolatry, and being buried with him in baptism to become new by Jesus' name. Or that means being renewed and restored to the one who matters most in this universe. Let us know. We can help you. We stand together and sing.